The Celtic Exchange A fresh insight on Celtic Football Club Second half Celtic put Dundee to the sword Rayo Hattati returns in time for Kyogo to step up in Europe This is the Celtic Exchange Weekly, this is Tino And this week I'm joined by Miff and James as we cover all things Celtic Miff, a game of two halves on Saturday but all came good eventually How big a boost is it to have Rayo Hattati back in action? Hello Tino, hello James, hello listeners It is a massive boost and I think you couldn't have got any better visual evidence than his cameo on, on Saturday, just the difference in the energy in the stadium as soon as he walked on the park and more importantly the difference in the energy in the team eh, as soon as he walked on the park eh. and that's not to say I know Turnbull's come in for a bit of stick but ultimately he has won and converted the penalty that, that then allowed Hattati to come on the park and play play in the manner that he did so I know that whilst I understand there has been eh, eh, James, you'll get, you'll get your bit <laughs> you'll get your bit whilst there has been a, a, a bit of criticism coming his way uh, understandably so I still think it was a notable contribution for him as well. Yeah, James, I know you're keen again. I can hear it, but just on Rayo Hattati, before we touch on Turnbull, if you want, he never scored, he never assisted, but there is no doubt he brings just huge influence to, to those around him. We, we spoke just a wee bit, actually, just before coming on the mics. He kind of unlocks players around him, you know, Callum McGregor, maybe Lewis Palmer, you know, bringing him into the fold as well. And he's just got such a, a positive influence on the Celtic side. Yeah, it's a real fluidity um, that he brings. You know, you can just see people a bit more open, a bit more able to try things that they wouldn't try when things are a bit more static. Um, he's, he's so dynamic. He can be in a lot of places, he frees up so many players. It's a huge, huge boost for tomorrow night. I feel an awful lot better going into that game with Hattati fully fit. If he is fully fit, I hope he is. Yep. In addition to Hattati, what we've also got is a guy in Matt O'Reilly who's absolutely flying. I, I, I've mentioned a couple of times now, I think he's potentially in the best form of his Celtic career. You and I covered it in a bit of detail on the, the final whistle show after the game there over at the Celtic Exchange Plus. And he just seems to be playing with a, you know, a freedom and, and dare I say the old cliched smile on his face. He's in a good place, isn't he? He is. You know, that is where a smile on his face. And, you know, that's it's testament to, to Rodgers, to be fair. You know, he's, he's just enjoying his football. It, I don't know if you saw, there was a clip of him and uh, Alistair Johnson just immediately post-match on the final whistle. And they were just laughing and joking about and it just seems like, not that he had the weight of the world on his shoulders, but he seems lighter nonetheless and his football's benefiting from it. Yeah. Muff, are you concerned in any way, shape or form just about the first half? I, I was reluctant to use the word turgid uh, on the final whistle show, but it certainly wasn't dynamic, exciting, free-flowing. Completely different story, second half, especially when Hattati came on, but it was a bit of a shift, wasn't it? At the risk of this sounding premeditated, I put in the lads' group chat at half time that it was cha cha slide football. Which means? Slide to the left, slide to the right. Mm. Take it back now, y'all. Um, and it was, but it was, it was a bit the same as the St. Johnston game in the sense that the, the intent was there, but the execution was poor and, and it was pedestrian, it was slow. Now, it's not often you'll, you'll say this, but the, the exception to that rule on Saturday was. Dies in my either. Mm-hmm. I thought he was he was really effective. I thought his contributions were noteworthy. And bar, I mean, the save that the keepers made is coincidental because he's hit the shot that well for close range that it's just bounced back off Carson. But it was excellent skill in a, in a really tight space. And I know Tino in particular is quite critical of Maeda's supposed lack of technical ability, but I, I thought he demonstrated a, a huge amount in that. Also known as his actual lack of technical no, ability. No, no, no. I'm look, look, he's finished for the offside goal. I know, finished Some for finish. the offside goal as well. Tino's yeah. just, he's a, he's a bad man, James. Uh, um, but I, I thought it was, 
oh no, here we go, more of the same. Maybe quite frank after sitting through the, the St. Johnson game. So it was refreshing to see. Yeah, it was always going to need a goal just to kind of break the shackles off. And it, it, after that, it was it was fantastic. I mean, th- th- the second and third goals are absolutely fantastic. And I know you don't want me gaffing any tangents tonight, you know, but I'm just going to, obviously, I didn't, listen to, I didn't listen to post-match because, as you know, when I'm more involved, I'm not the least bit interested. <laughs> but the on the bus, there was a bit of debate about who man of the match was because BBC website gave it to Dice Maida. On the bus, the lads were giving it to William Scales. What? Uh, they drink a lot of fast. <sighs> and then I had said Alistair Johnson. I thought Alistair Johnson was clearly man of the match mm-hmm. for me. Matt O'Reilly for me. Matt O'Reilly for me, but in the but stadium, no, no, it was I didn't Kyoto. say who the best looking was. I said who was man of the match. There's a the thing, isn't it? Just shows you how subjective football is because stadium gave it to Kyogo. I, I think I, most I, of us beyond that give it to O'Reilly. Johnson's definitely got a shout. <laughs> My head and skills is, is a different story, but I suppose in a positive way, it's, it's shown that a few players are, are finding their feet after some sketchy early season form. Just on the point of skills, I was a bit like, I don't know, right game, but when you actually watch highlights back, a couple of through ball, he's a through ball for my head, and also, mm-hmm. um, I think it was one in the, the second half as well. I think I clipped I, it, Turnbull, I, I, cut it, it was back. Turnbull. I, so when I watched it back, I'm like, I can see why now. And he, yeah. did, he did defend well. Just in terms of you know, finalising the chat in the game before we move on. Definitely, you know, the cliched game of two halves. Is a little wonder, though, when you've got a first half with a, a debutant and Phillips, who was finding his feet. Turnbull, who just slows the game down, there's no getting away from it. And Yang, who's still, you know, trying a few things and, and getting used to the way we play. When you then add the energy, Lager Belka done fairly well as well when he came in. But that aside, you add the energy of Hitati and Louis Palmer, who was clearly in to impress. You just lift those energy levels. But the bottom line is, James... You bring in good players, you get results, don't you? And, and good players make things happen. Yeah, we've been seeing this for a few weeks now. You know, um, there's maybe just a wee bit of a tendency to overstate the early season form. But when you're looking at six top quality players not in the team, as soon as you start to get one, two, three of those, which you've got now, and then it'll be four, five, six before we know it, it's going to be totally different. It's already different, you know, the way we finish that match on Saturday and the way that hopefully we start the game Tuesday night. And then you get the other guys coming back you know, through October. I'm pretty comfy and confident where we're going. Just on that, I'd, I'd seen um, somebody done a piece, I think it was Tony, Tony McLaughlin, Celtic Trends. Yeah, Tony, yeah, friend Tony. of the show. Um, and it, it was a comparison between Yang and Palmer. But I think that's quite harsh because I thought Yang was taking more risks, whereas Palmer, I thought, played it real. He tried a couple of runs initially, but then he played it quite safe. After that, when he came on, yeah. he looks an absolute unit, by the way. Yeah. I, I need to say that he looks a, a big bit of a boy. Yang. But uh, no, uh, Palmer. Both of them. But, but with Yang, I really like Yang. I, th- I think he'll do for me. He's oh, yeah. really, really positive. He always just looks to go, at the, his instincts just to go at the fullback. He, he doesn't look to play safe most of the time. He looks to try and take take somebody on as soon as he gets the ball out of him yeah I, I'd, I'd also say for you know and, and Tony's great his stats as well but it's, it's it's much harder to deliver stats when you're trying to get the lead than when you are ahead if you come on you're already one up the team's starting to play with I, a bit of fluidity I, no it's not it's certainly know? not I think Tony it was just I, I thought it was harsh to compare or, or that's, that's what I'm saying up, it's harsh on Yang because he, he's doing it he's, he's, trying, and, he's, he's trying to actually create something yeah. I, I I, I said to the, the boys that nah, he'll do for me. Yeah. He, he looks really positive. I think he'll start tomorrow. Really positive. Yeah. What's your problem with Tony? I think Tony's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's good stuff. But it is interesting. The game changes, doesn't it? You get into a second half, you get a couple of goals lead, and it starts to open out the game. Dundee's game plans all up in the air, and, and stats can tell you so much. And there was an interesting stat, I think, from uh, Palmer's 30 minutes compared to Yang's 60 minutes. Palmer's made 
X amount of more passes into space but the game's opened up by that point and it's maybe easier to make those passes yeah lots to be said we need to move on for the game but my last point I'd like to make is on Joe Hart because listen he's had the stick at the start of the season and I think he deserves a credit certainly for his one big save uh, towards the end of the first half where he's just made himself big and and, prevented what looked a certain goal and also the credit that he rightly gets for what he'd done at Ibrox so he's a guy that in long spells doesn't get involved in games but when he has to step up he does and he'll do it for this season. If you add that up now, that's three games between St. Johnson, Ibrooks, and uh, Sardin that made the save that he's had a real marked effect on, on Celtic being able to take something for each game. Yeah, yeah. three clean sheets I mean, as top, well. Top quality performers and top quality players respond to pressure and to criticism and you know, hearts that. Yeah, it's good to see. Okay, let's take a look at what's coming up on this week's show. With another goal and an assist on Saturday, Kyogo has picked up exactly where he left off last season, but the one thing missing from his time at Celtic so far is a solid goal return in Europe. Are we now about to see our Japanese talisman step up to that particular plate? Saturday saw three new boys make their debuts in the hoops and we take a closer look at Nat Phillips, Luis Palma and Paolo Bernardo and discuss what they might bring to the party this season. Then it's time for the 11th man as the boys try to name the missing man from a well-known Celtic lineup. And finally, with this week's return to the Champions League, we'll look at what would be classed as success from this season's European adventures. OK, let's get the ball rolling with a discussion on Kyogo and what's now needed if he's to be remembered as one of our top strikers of the modern era. First of all, though, Miff, what about his contribution against Dundee on Saturday? Another goal, another assist. Absolutely fantastic. And, and considering that he'd take up the tunnel for a bit of treatment as well, uh, clearly, I, I just... I, I think he's fantastic, uh, just a phenomenal striker to watch, and someone who, when you watch him live, I think you probably get just a better appreciation of him, just how hard he works for the team, how often he makes runs, and how selfless he is in making those runs, because if he doesn't get the ball, he doesn't remonstrate with his teammates, he just goes right back in and does it again. Um, I... I I think he already does go down as a mod. I, I don't think if you score, if you score doubles at Hamden against Rangers and cup finals and semi finals, you're, you're down as a, a modern great. As far as I'm concerned, I think the case is closed on that. You don't think he needs European um, achievements no. to no. to cement it? It would be nice, but then what are you if you're comparing him with Larson? Larson. I'd say more to, to Gary Hooper, for example. Show some good goals. Don't worry, James. We've got a Larson comparison uh, coming up. We'll, um, we'll go right for the big guns. You know. My, my love for Gary Hooper is well documented mm-hmm. however I mean Kyogo's just Kyogo's for me is in a different league for Gary Hooper yeah different player James just looking at Saturday specifically so he's goal and he's assist we've done a couple of shows recently there post-match and we watched Celtic have put a really good 360 degree view of, of the goals it's a kind of unique angle thing but you can watch from various different angles and it's great if you just want to study a top striker mm. And I think it's Joe Shaughnessy, the yeah. centre half uh, for Dundee. There's just a, a, a an image that you can see or a, or a uh, angle that you can see where it's like, I've got him, I've got him, Aye. I've got him. As a centre half, he, he has got him, he's in his range and he turns away for a split second and Kyogo's goes off and he's right in the back of him. He's timed the run to perfection. Cal Mack knows that run's coming. And it's one thing making that run and getting on the end of the ball. You've then still got a, a fair bit of work to do to divert that past what's a decent keeper in Trevor Carson. And it's just a really deft flick of the head to... to you know, put it into the top of the net. And I suppose my point on that out with the run and the finish is that he scores all types of goals, James. Headers, tap-ins, volleys, edge of the box, inside the box. He put one on his chest one time against Aberdeen, if you remember, early in the rain. He, in terms of finishing, he's got it all. 
has. I mean, I don't think there's any dissenting voices of any Celtic fan I know. Um, he's a joy to watch. It's it's such a unique talent being able to make that movement and read that ball that's coming in from McGregor whilst knowing exactly where the centre-half is and where the goalie is so he knows that when he lands. If if Carson had gone to cover the near post where, where Kyogo scored, he'd have put it the other side. He knows exactly where Carson is and where the best probability chance of scoring is. And he's, he's slipped his defender beautifully. I mean, I don't like the Larson comparisons because that's just silly because Larson was a unique thing. The stars aligned him. He got a world-class player for seven years. It, that's just Henrik on his own. But you can compare him with all the others that came after for sure. Um, and he's probably top there. I'm glad you don't like Larson comparisons because that's a <laughs> section here all about just 20 minutes on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up is the Henrik Larson Kyogo comparison. So you might have seen some of the stats doing the rounds, but somebody's compelled the figures for Larson and Kyogo after eight, stage, 88 yeah. games yeah. at Celtic. So Larson's uh, Kyogo's now 89 Hooper's games. Number. Hooper's number, that's right, but by the by. Um, okay, so the stats read as follows. So minutes played, Larson after 88 games, 7,556 minutes versus Kyogo. 5795, so a lot less minutes per game. That'll have come about through things like uh, Jack Amakis spelling in and out for him. Larson played as part of a front two, really substituted, so certainly more uh, minutes for Larson. Goals, very interestingly, both on 57 after 88 games, 57 exactly. European goals, Larson had four at that stage, Kyogo's got five. Goals against Rangers, three for Larson across eight games. Kyogo's now got six against Rangers across nine games. Larson pips it definitely in terms of assists though. He's got 19 assists versus 11. And overall, minutes per goal, Larson's won every 132 minutes, whereas Kyogo is won every 101 minutes. Now you can make stats do whatever you want, James. There's obviously different ways you can spin that. Um, the big thing about Larson, of course, moving forward beyond these eight games was the longevity. He'd done it for seven years at Celtic. He scored 242 goals in the process, so there's a long way for Kyogo to go to reach those levels. Although he has signed a long-term deal, he could be here for seven seasons. But the very fact that we're having the conversation about is he as good as Larson or anywhere near that, got to be a positive, hasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, like you said, he's got the long-term deal there, so he's got the time to to try and emulate it. I think it was in season three that Larson really... You know, you know, started moving. He scored fifty three goals that season. Is that right? Something like that. Um, so, not that Larson had a slow start. Not that Kyogo's had a slow start, but Larson did accelerate at one point. So he's got to watch for that uh, point of acceleration and, and match that too. Different players, but they both score those very, very different goals. You know, put the ball anywhere, and I'll find a, a way to score it. I need to see him scoring a, an almost at the byline. Cutting it, Ibrooks, that'll, that'll do me. That'll be next on his list. Now, if I don't want to spend too long on the, the question, I know a lot of other channels have covered it in a bit of detail, but you know, just to, to put it to you directly, is he the best since Larson? You've also got to look at, you know, what's his competition for that, that particular title. So it's guys like Moussa Dembele, Odson Edward, Gary Hooper, I know you're a big fan, uh, Samaras, Venegar of Hesslink, Tony Stokes, Lee Griffiths, Vacuum Bayou, Patrick Clamalla, all these guys. Anyone I might have missed. Scott, I think Kyogo's Scott McDonald be in the mix. Okay, I'll give you that. Um, but Kyogo's better than all of them, isn't he? Scott McDonald included. Yes. But I don't think there's any debate, is there? No. Edward and Dembele were phenomenal <coughs> for us. Uh, good to see Eddie's kind of kicked on again for Hodgson come back. Scored at the weekend. I scored again at the weekend. Um, I, 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 Edward was a frightening talent, but I think we all knew we were watching somebody that was development to an excellent talent but would leave, leave. Yeah, yeah. Um, similar with Dembele I think we all felt a, a, probably a bit like Larson we were lucky to kind of get him the way we did and we knew he was going to go into bigger and better things 
I think he's probably underachieved compared to the amount of talent that he has, to be fair. Yeah, I think there's a um, fitness, <coughs> underlying fitness uh, issue there. But, so for, for those reasons, we've got Kyogo at his prime. Yep, he's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I've given you some stats here after 88 games, but just to confirm his totals for Celtic now. So 89 appearances, 58 goals, 12 assists. Overall, it's 70 goal contributions in 89 appearances. But here's the here's the angle I'm coming at here in terms of the European stuff, which I think to a huge extent is lacking at this moment in time and you can question how valid it is or not. European-wise, he's had 15 appearances in total, five goals, four assists. The 15 appearance that breaks down is six in the Champions League last season, of which he just got one assist. That was against Leipzig. There's five Europa group games from the season prior in which he got two goals and three assists. And he's also got four European qualifiers. That was against Jablonek and AZ Alkmaar. He's got three goals from then. So decent returns, you know, okay, not not a disaster by any stretch. But James, I feel that if he's going to start getting spoken about alongside Larson or anyone else of that ilk, you need to add goals at the top level. I think Larson is still the top scorer in UEFA Cup history slash Europa League history, which is something special in itself. And we're not asking him to reach those levels, but to chip in a couple of goals in this Champions League stage would really accelerate the conversation. Yeah, and I think he'll have that ambition himself. I mean, this is rather harsh, but I've said before that if we'd <coughs> peak Moussa Dembele in the team last season, we'd probably qualify out of that group um, at the very least, you know, um, in Europa, if not in the Champions League knockouts. But part of it is, is Kyogo learning as well. You know, he's, he's a relatively late starter as far as pro football goes. He's been playing pro for four, five years, something like that. Is More that right? than that now, but I think, you know, unlike kids that break in at yeah. 17 and 18 here, he went to university, yeah. same as uh, Rayo Hattati. Doesn't really start playing senior football till around about 21, 22. Mm -hmm. So maybe six, seven years. Yeah, so is that. So I think last year was a big part of his development and he really feels it when he knows he should have, you know, maybe tucked something away. And he's not the kind of guy that, you know, <coughs> gets angry or frustrated, right? He just goes... I know how to be better. I'm just going to go away and work on it and work hard. I mean, he's, he's, you saw how he finished last year whilst he didn't score those Champions League goals. He took that kind of frustration right into the league and everyone felt it. All the opposition felt it. And he'll have spent his summer further developing on that, spent his pre-season doing the same. We're going to see the best of him. I said at the time last year, yes, I'm sure he's, he's felt the pain of not scoring Champions League-wise and turned that into a positive. I think it was mostly his rejection from the Japan World mm. Cup squad which spurred them on. You've all seen the video. It brings me to tears. It shows you him crestfallen. You know he's at home and he sees the news and he's devastated not to be part of that. And and you can understand why. But he then used it to his advantage in that second half of the season. And to finish on thirty four goals, if it tells you exactly you know where he was at then, and it just looks like he's picked up where he left off. He's he's four goals so far this season. Absolutely. That that's the part of the reason why. <coughs> everyone rates him so highly and why he is regarded as the best since Larson is not only to do with his output on the park, it's everything else that surrounds his attitude. that. His attitude, how professional he is, the fact that he is a selfless teammate, I, I just I just love him. And, and it must have been so disappointing not to have made the Japan squad, but to react in the manner that he did, rather than sulk, rather than look for a move, maybe a bigger league as, as many would have done in that position. Uh, he's knuckled down and he's made our team better so yep. you know what, what What more can we ask for yeah definitely well I'll tell you what we can ask for though we can ask for goals in Europe and that's the, the crux of the matter here so we've got six games coming up against Feyenoord Lazio and Atletico question to you if then what, what does success for Kyogo look like specifically in these games is it is it just 
you're getting off the mark and getting one Champions League goal? Is it getting a few, maybe an assist? You know, what what he'll set himself lofty targets and he won't reveal them to the public, but what do you think he'll be targeting? Yeah, he'll be targeting goals because he's a striker and, and, and no doubt he will himself want to score many goals in the Champions League. But for me, it's meaningful contributions that result in his qualifying in some form. That 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 is success not only for the club but also for the players, and and that 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 extends beyond Kyogo. I know, and I, he's a selfless kind of player, James. And I think if Celtic play these six games and he scores none, but he plays a huge part in getting us through, he'll be delighted as a, as a good teammate. But I want to see him score goals, and, and I want him to get the the reward for his efforts. He's now going into his peak years, and if he's not going to do it in Europe now, when is he? Is the question? Yeah, I mean, I think all good players of of Kyogo's style and Kyogo's attitude. They definitely have team goals. You know, I'm going to contribute to the team, but strikers have individual goals as well. I think he'll be saying, there's six games there, I can score against anyone, and I think he'll be, he'll be targeting six. I think he'll score five in the group. Yep. That's, that's, a, that's a hell of a call. Miff, do you want to put a number on it? Jeez, that's because Big Paddy's not here, man. He's just, he's, he's taking on Paddy's bravado. <laughs> that's the uh, bravado. We're going to win every game, ain't nothing. <laughs> um, three, three goals. So who was that impression? Was that James or Paddy you were doing? Yeah, that was just me. I couldn't do a bad impression. Jeez, oh, can I go that low? Yeah. Um, no, three goals. Three goals. I'm going to go for that as well. I think he'll get goals. And what I think could be in our favour is the the teams that we're playing against, generally speaking, they're going to come out and open. play open attacking football. Um, we're not going to see anybody park the bus. And I just think, especially when you're away from home, it'll be interesting to see what happens here this week in Feyenoord. But especially away from home, he finds those spaces where others don't. And I think he's, he's certainly going to get chances. He proved it last year. And it's up to him whether he then executes them. Yep. I, I think that's kind of the biggest difference for us in Europe. Is I know last year didn't yield uh, magnificent results, but I think <clears> the <throat> dynamic of Kyogo is what makes us interesting in Europe because what we'll have, and certainly not, we haven't seen a lot of it this year, certainly not in the games at Celtic Park where teams sitting against you and, you know, low block, back, back to my famous low block, um, with space to run into. I think that's what the team enjoyed so much last year was that they were able to be creative and counter-attack quickly. But the, the way that Kyogo plays just gives us that different dynamic. I know that he's been dropping deep in domestic games, but I think he'll be playing in the shoulder when, when we go away in the Champions League and that, that's exciting. You've also got a thrive in Matt O'Reilly not playing the six. You know, he's going to be playing a more attacking role when McGregor picked up his injury you know, early on in the Champions League campaign. It meant you're losing McGregor first and foremost, but then you're losing the dynamic positivity of O'Reilly that's not the case I think what you've also got to take into consideration you're, some guys are just pure strikers that's that's all they do and that's that's not a bad thing to be if all you can do is score goals but he's definitely got more to his game and he's shown that with his assist I thought his assist to Matt O'Reilly on, on Saturday was a real case in point he was off the shoulder you know he, he was right on the last man and it's Johnson that's found him down the right hand yeah, side man in match he, he bends the run just so well and gets on the end of it but he's then at the byline with a bit of work to do a lot of guys would just flash it across the face of goal. And, and you know what? And you couldn't criticise him. It's not a bad thing to do. Just get it in a busy area and see what happens. Yep. He's just got the awareness and the the vision to say, I know Matt O'Reilly's going to be coming here. And O'Reilly himself has, has shown nice timing as well just to step onto it. And I'm not saying O'Reilly couldn't miss, but he's put it on a plate for his, his teammate there and just it shows that vision. It's a very similar chance to two of the ones that O'Reilly had against three. Three, a bit, the, the two, one, that similar, up, the yeah. one that bounced up yeah. was a, a bit of game that one. Um, so again, I think it says a lot about really the composure that he showed. It could have been very easy to snatch at that, but he just trusted his technique and 
it was a great finish. Yeah. He, he spoke about that, you know, that's part of Rogers kind of training with him, is to just be running and then hold back because the defenders keep going. Your side, your, your, your partner, Kyogo in this, in this case, knows that you're doing that. Nobody else knows that and he's, he's getting great positions with it. A smart cutback is so hard to deal with. All the defenders, as you say, James, are all rushing towards Correct, their own goal. Correctly. And they kind of get the brakes on in time by the time it gets cut back. And it was great to see, but I think just to, to stay on Kyogo, it just shows where he's at. He's a selfless player. You know, he's, he's, he's absolutely, you know, driven by his goals, of course he is, but if he sees a teammate in a better space, he'll give it to him more often than not. Apart from Ibrox, when he should have cut one back for a badder, bad example. He's um, he's got that to offer. So as much as I'm, I'm banging on here about how he, <laughs> he does it every time, apart from when he doesn't. Sixty <laughs> percent of the time he does it every time. Um, but I'm talking about the fact that here, you know, I'm hoping that he can, you know, get on the ladder goals wise, Champions League goals wise. He's done it in Europa League. He needs to score at this top level. But it isn't just all all what he's about. You know, he does have that ability to bring teammates into the game, and that's a huge asset. And it's a huge asset to Rodgers because Celtic will find themselves. Under spells of pressure, you know, certainly in the away games and potentially at Celtic Park at times as well. But he's an outball first and foremost. You know, he'll, he'll get you up the park. But the fact that he's he's got the creativity to bring others into the game, he's just a very rounded forward. You know, he's not just a big number nine. You just stack him up front. You see what you get. And we talked about those various players: Dembele, Edward, Jan Veniger. They've all got their different skill sets. Kyogo's got much more to his bow, hasn't he? Yeah, he's he's not just a you know hit it striker you know there's some excellent strikers you mentioned in there and they were just lethal in front of the goal but probably not so much you know if, if they were going to be a bit wide of the of the six yard box either side they're probably you probably wouldn't find them in, in that area much but Kyoga will be and he can be there to, to deadly effect he just has that selfless kind of character but it's like you say he's got very very quick analysis of the situation as it is. So that one he cut back to early. If he sees that he's got a strong chance of, of scoring from where he is, he's having his shot, but he's analysed that and went, I know what this guy is. There's a higher you know, potential for him to score than me in this situation with the, the box being so crowded. So it's his intelligence that comes into it as well. Yeah. So just to round this chat off, Miff, I'll come to you for the last word. Do you feel that, that now is the time? Based on what we've seen, we've seen him, I think we've seen him improve quite dramatically in his time and listen he hit the ground running at Celtic scored a couple of early hat-tricks but he's just got better and better the fact that he signed a new deal till 2027 just shows he's in a good place you know he's, he's enjoying himself he's comfortable he has a talisman you know when you're looking for the guy that's going to make the difference you're excited that you see Kyogo fit and ready and available he struggled at times in his career at Celtic from a couple of injuries couple of knocks and, and not quite being ready right now save the shoulder niggle because he's managing that just fine He's flying, you know, he's high as a kite, he's confident, he's scoring goals and to answer the question, is now the time when he's going to step up for us? Yes, I, I, I believe so. I, I mean, I, I, I can't see him going through the Champions League campaign not scoring, certainly not in the form that he's in. Yeah, it's going to be exciting time. So we'll start this week with Feyenoord. He's got six games to go. He's got five goals to get for James's target. Me and Miff are going three, so let's see where he lands. If you were unsure if we were a team in transition or not, Saturday saw debuts for a third of our nine summer signings as Nat Phillips, Lewis Palmer and Paolo Bernardo all made their first appearances in the hoops. So how did they do? James, let's start with Nat Phillips. What's your early impressions of the Liverpool loanee? Early days. I mean, he's, he's shown he's um, a, a top-rate defender. As much as he wasn't up against top-rate attackers, what he had to deal with, I think his stats came out that you know he, he, he won all these duels, he won all these headers, all these kind of things. Uh, the side that maybe let him down a wee bit on Saturday was his passing, but I've really no problem with it. He was trying a lot of passes. I think he had something like you know, 10, 12, 14 passes, you know, positive 
uh, attacking passes. And it's just a matter of him, first of all, finding his range, finding a bit of comfort that he's going to have space on the ball. He's not played football since January. There's a lot that comes into it, you know. So I wouldn't be judging him that at all. We'll wait and see, you know, as, as, as time goes on. He's going to get a lot of football between now and, you know, between Carter Vickers and Navarocchi coming back. So there's, there's plenty of time for all of that. I thought it was an excellent debut, but more from a defensive side than a, an attacking side. My what I think is very interesting. So I, I, I wouldn't agree it's an excellent debut. I think that's too lofty and it's praised just in my opinion. I think, but what, what you've got as a Celtic defender is just a very unique situation. You're against Dundee at home on Saturday where you're getting loads of the ball. I think Celtic finished with 78% possession, something like that. And centre-halves are allowed to venture pretty deep into the opposition half without even getting tackled. You know, the, the front two for Dundee just retreat, retreat, retreat. Easy for me to say. And then when he's about 40 yards out, they then start to engage. And at that point, that's when he's passing, let him down a wee bit. Mm -hmm. And maybe he's not used to that. Maybe he's thinking, why is nobody tackling me here? <laughs> so his distribution wasn't great, but that's fine. You know, he's rusty. He's not played since January and he'll get there. But then you go to Rotterdam on Tuesday night where you play a very decent final side who are going to give you nothing like that time on the ball first and foremost. And actually, you're going to spend most of your time back the way doing the defensive job. And they're just, it's life at Celtic, isn't it? You know, it's Dundee at home one week. Lion's share of possession, then you go and play a Champions League game where it's almost the opposite game, if not quite as dramatic as that, but very different uh, for a central half, centre half like Phillips to deal with. Central half back. Well said, Tino. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. It's, uh, yeah, you're right in what you say, it's life at Celtic, but I, I like James, I didn't have too much a problem with the intent that Phillips showed, I, I think we've been crying out for a centre half to, to really drive into the, the space that's created because opposition players are just so worried about doubling up on our wide players or, or making sure that our midfielders aren't running beyond the, the, the defence or are getting any pockets of space in between They were, they were the surrounding opposition. McGregor They were uh, really doubling uh, yeah, McGregor yeah, yeah, so when you when you look at that and you see the space it's created but quite simply the other team, the opposition team don't have MD designated to go and shut the centre half down so they are literally like a spare man so the further up the park they go the, the more likely they are to kind of pull somebody out of position I just thought the intent was there but a couple of times they seem to just get a bit muddled of alright I've went a lot further than maybe I expected here what will I do and, and actually he'd went that far he'd shot off the angles of passes out to Yang or, or, or into Arayoli's feet he tried a few switches as well that, that didn't go didn't quite go to plan because he just hit them too hard but again the, the intent was there and it was actually the right ball to play, play at the time so just with a bit more game time and a bit increased confidence I, th I think that actually be a really useful tool for Celtic a really useful weapon for them to use at home you're quite right to point out Champions League will be very, very different you're not going to just get to swagger up across the halfway line under no pressure but I still think it's very very important for whoever plays at centre half to, to be using the ball really effectively and also be willing to carry the ball forward Tuesday night's game is just a completely different game. It really is. In terms of a debut, I think, you know, real scope for optimism. James, you'd mentioned that the plan would probably have been to give him an hour and then rest him for there, but he, he rolled his ankle at some point in the first half, so Lagar Bielka comes in at half-time. But just on that note, fitness-wise, I think it's just a, a wee niggle and he'll certainly be in contention for Feyenoord. This chat will be dated. Some people will be listening to this on Wednesday morning, which is fine. Tune in earlier, lads. It's, it's on on a Tuesday, but... Does he get the start for you? Uh, and if so, who against? Uh, sorry, who with? Against Feyenoord. Against Feyenoord, um, makes sense. I, I, think he, I think he definitely starts. I think the, the, the planning has shown you that he's going to start. You know, he, he started the game. They had a game management time of 60 minutes for him. You wouldn't be doing that unless you were planning on, on putting him in. Um, I think 
it's you know as much as you're saying it, it, it flips from a, a Dundee style of game for a centre half to to Feyenoord. He's going to thrive on the Feyenoord side more than the Dundee side mm-hmm. because it's defending that he, that he thrives on. So I think he'll be really looking forward to it. You know, when did he really see himself, you know, being a, a regular first pickish, you know, type player in the Champions League? You know, so he, he's there now. So he's he's got all the reasons to to go and enjoy it. Yeah, so he's played Champions League football for Liverpool. He stepped in, I think, when Van Dijk got his bad injury in the 2020-21 yeah. season. So he's got that bit of experience, yeah. but he also had options uh, in the summer there. And you know, one of the the big, you know, carrots that we can dangle is the fact that we've got Champions League football. I'm sure he enjoyed his debut well enough, but he's not here for Dundee games. He's no. here to play in the Champions League and, and he'll be buzzing with, at the prospect of featuring in, in some of these group games, Muff. Absolutely. that That's that's why we're able to attract somebody like Nat Phillips to come to Celtic. Uh, I agree. <laughs> I, I think the reviews of him from Liverpool fans from what I see mainly positive, mm-hmm. uh, which is quite unusual when he's probably fifth or sixth choice centre-half for them. Uh, probably should have moved on from Liverpool before now because he's he's clearly a decent enough player. But um, I think there's fifty thousand reasons a week why he's not moved on. Nah, well, well, I, I fair, fair enough. Um, but happy enough with what, what I've seen uh, in the Dundee game. But but yeah, that, that this is why he's here and that this is why we've signed him. We ourselves were a bit desperate for for a bit of cover to come in. Uh, I think you'd made the point earlier, Tino around, you know, the, the three centre halves in contention we start and are probably never really considered to be anywhere near first team when Rodgers first came through the door but we've ended up in the situation we have Let, let's just see what we go with I mean the fact that we're going here starting with Liam Scales at centre half or I would assume we're going to be starting with Liam Scales at centre half I would assume so I think so um, be because okay I think him. he's do you, th- do you think so because I think he's played his way in there. you know he's, he's, he's done admirably well when called upon We'll find out in due course if he starts. But I think overall, there's certainly reasons for optimism. He's a big, powerful guy. I've missed a few times. He's six foot three. Um, and I think he could do just fine. But you're right, Miff, whether it's, you know, Phillips, Scales, Lager, Bielka. Once everybody's fit and firing, CCV and Navrocki bump them down the pecking order and none of the three of them would generally be considered. But where we are, they're professional footballers. They find themselves at Celtic for whatever reason and they should be talented enough to go and do something. So it wouldn't be your first choice, but let's see how they fare uh, at Feyenoord and beyond. You know, they've got a real... Tough task on their hands, but let's see how they do. Uh, my second guy to look at is Lewis Palmer. I think we've all been quite excited about about him. Uh, he made his he made a scoring was it his debut. I think that's wrong, but he scored for Honduras. Is my point, uh, albeit a penalty during the week, uh, and he also had an assist. And he came back full of confidence. He was on the bench. He was sub not used at Ibrox, and you could tell that the guy was just buzzing to get involved. He comes into the fray around about sixty minutes in, and he just looked like he wanted to to make an impact and to make things happen. Yeah, I think. We all get excited by YouTube videos and, and the like, um, but you want to see it with your own eyes. You want to see, judge a player, just how they approach the ball, touch, etc. Uh, and he definitely looked the part around that. Like I say, I felt he kind of squared the Dundee fullback up a couple of times and looked like he was just got to go by them and it, it was almost like he tripped over the ball a couple of times. But his use of the ball in, in general was, was really really good P- pretty safe I, I would say but he, he, he just looks like a, like he's got to be a very good football player um, but I, I was surprised he looked a really really athletic builder he looked a lot uh, more wiry in the, the videos that I'd seen but he looks like, he looks like he's got a good bit of muscle about him as well yeah, I think he's quite a powerful looking character James there was a, a wee nutmeg uh, towards the, the latter stages which just showed a I suppose a sign of his confidence and skill he doesn't look like a young man that's lacking confidence and I think 
if you're to be that guy that's got, you know, we've talked a lot about the star quality and, and a huge part of that's gone out the door with Jota. You know, we've lost that, you know, bit of magic that, that, that a guy like that can give you. And I, I know it's early bells. I know we've just seen half an hour plus the YouTube compilations, but I think a lot of fans are excited that Palmer could be that star man. I think he could be. You know, that that not big shows that he, he wants to entertain like Jota wanted to entertain, but effectively, you know, he, he wants to get past his man and he just, he seems to have a, a really strong awareness, you know, of not just getting past his own guy, but where, where he's... You know, his colleagues are where, he, where he's given the ball to it is early doors but if anyone's going to be filling the Jota shoes it's him yeah definitely and as everyone knows my nutmegs are almost as good as goals and they, they should count for yes, something yes for some um, last guy James uh, is Paolo Bernardo uh, again another guy who's you know seriously rated in his, his homeland so Benfica apparently you know dug deep to make sure there was a similarly high sell on value if Celtic go and do what they've done with Jota uh, he plays regularly for Portugal's under 21s he played two games during the break and we've seen less of him. He came on, I think, in the 73rd minute. But we've spoken a- again about how sometimes just the way a guy receives the ball and how he plays it out of his feet and how he carries the ball indicates that, he- that he's a-, a pretty decent player. And I think that's exactly what we've seen from Bernardo. He looks like a classy player. Yeah. Um, real vision, you know, both in terms of where to be, but he'd had, he'd had, he'd had a shot on goal that was not too far away. What a debut mm-hmm. it had been, you know, but he's... He looks like a classy player, doesn't he? Yeah, excited to see more. Here's a question then. So we've mentioned the three of them there, Phillips, Palmer, Bernardo. When everyone's fully fit, there's a real challenge for these guys and that's up to them. So I think Phillips would be maybe fourth or fifth choice centre half at the moment. You know, he might bump up, you know, depending on what he does in the next few weeks. Bernardo, not due to what he's doing, but Celtic have got a very busy and very talented midfield. He might also be fourth or fifth choice. Palmer's a bit different. You know, now that Jota's out the door, Abada's unfortunate to pick up his injury. I think Palmer could very soon, you know, cement his, his place as a mainstay. Quick question, we've covered it with Phillips already, but Bernardo and Palmer, do you think either might start against Feyenoord? Uh, Palmer would be the most likely for me. I can't see Bernardo start. I'd agree with that, James. Is that where you are? No, I don't, I don't think either will start. I think part of, I mean, we didn't get to see it on, on Saturday if he could or he couldn't, but if you're going to displace Maeda in the left wing, you need to show me your defensive qualities as well as your attacking, because that's what happens. Maeda get pushed over to the right, so I think Yang will start for that reason because we can't not have Dyson in, in his best spot. I know you can suggest that Dyson can do both things. He can, but he's, he's best on the left. So if Palmer comes in and shows that he can do that or he can develop that side of his game, then yeah, I think he's he's going to start more games than not. I think he's a real talent and he's the winger we want, but he's got to be able to do that defensive stuff too. I had a wee inkling, James, that Palmer might get the nod against Feyenoord, but thinking it through, and we done the the countdown to kick off the pre-match show earlier on at Celtic Exchange Plus. I think Yang has spent the last number of weeks now working with Rodgers, you know, getting to know the system, working the training pitch, getting to know the shape. And I think Louis Palmer looks like maybe moving forward he'll be the man. But I think at this moment in time it might just be too soon to slot him in. Not sure where he's at fitness-wise. He looks pretty lively. But I think we might see Yang get the nod, and that might be the right move. And you're right, Miff Bernardo, talented as he as he looks. Too soon for him to break into that very congested midfield. But overall, pretty positive signs for all three guys. We'll see what they bring in the coming weeks. Another wee update you might have seen is that Marco Tullio continues his rehab and he was pictured in training there at Celtic Park today. So hopefully we see the likes of him and even Quan a wee bit more moving forward. 
It's now time for the 11th man, where all you need to do is name the missing player from a well-known Celtic lineup. Last week you nailed it by naming Brian McLaughlin as the 11th man from Celtic's lineup in the 1995 Scottish Cup final, so well done to you both, Miff. I was really pleased for you. This week, as we head into our first European group game of the season, it's a pretty uh, topical lineup. It's a lineup from Ange's first European group game as Celtic manager back on the 16th of September 2021 as Celtic took on Real Betis in the opening game Europa League campaign. Finished Celtic 3, Betis 4, but James, you'd mentioned it. That was the day where Jota referenced as the day when things started to click and they started to believe in Ange's system. And we've also got a, a guest in the studio today, so Thomas O'Connor joins us. Thomas is a good friend of the show and he's been tuning in from an early stage. So welcome, Thomas. You're going to take part in this week's 11th man. So the game in question, it's Real Betis 4, Celtic 3. It was our first group game in the Europa League back on the 16th of September 2021 at Estadio Benito Villamarín. And Celtic's 11 is as follows, or was as follows. Joe Hart, Tony Ralston, Josip Juranovic, Carl Starfelt, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Ishmael Asoro, David Turnbull, Tom Rogic, Blank, Albion Ayeti, and Jota. Have a wee think while we play you this short message. Well, the guys are figuring that one out. A short reminder that if you like what we do here at the Celtic Exchange, then you can hear even more from us throughout the week by joining the Celtic Exchange Plus. At the Celtic Exchange Plus, we provide pre and post match podcasts for every Celtic game, as well as a number of other exclusive subscriber benefits. All you have to do is visit theCelticExchange.com/slash plus right now for full details and to start your free trial. More podcasts, more reaction, more Celtic, all on the Celtic Exchange Plus. So what we'll do, we'll reveal the answer just a wee bit later on in the show, but Thomas, James, Muff, have you any guesses to throw at me at the moment? Thomas, I'll come to you first as a guest. Mikey Johnson. Okay. Hudson Edward. Hudson Edward. I think we agree with Thomas, but... Aye, I'm yeah. glad that. Thank you, No correct answer so far. Do you want to have another couple hey, of shots? Hey, give me a... Liam Shaw, Yurigidi. Uh, I might be a good guess. We'll find out later in the show. So, uh, decent guess. It's, you know, it's such a tricky one. I was actually going to do a lineup from the Scottish Cup final uh, just at the end of last season, but it was going to be too easy. So, I've tried to give you a chance there, some good guesses, and we'll find out later in the show who's got the right answer. By the time some people listen to this episode, our first group game of this season's Champions League will have been and gone. We'll see what we get against Feyenoord at De Kuyp, but out with that, let's see what can be viewed as success for Celtic in Europe this season. James, what do you view as success out of our group campaign? I think with all things considered, transfer window activity and the failures therein, getting out of the group into Europa would be success for me. Getting out of the, the group into the last 16 of the Champions League would be massive Overachievement and phenomenal work from the manager and the, the players that are there. I, I think Celtic have made a lot of good signings, but the, the two areas we really needed to strengthen was left back and striker. We didn't, and that is going to have an impact. You know, it's going to have an impact tomorrow night. You know, they'll be targeting um, Greg Taylor in that role that he doesn't like playing. He wants to play that inverted role, and you know, we're, we're, we're light up top. So, with all those things considered, getting into Europa, happy with that. You might be right. You know, we may well be. Pretty well set up in terms of the domestic challenges we'll face this season. Out with the League Cup, we didn't want to win that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but Europe's a different question, isn't it? And there's, there's a real challenge there and maybe we've fallen a bit short. Time will tell. Matt, I'll give you three options. So option one, Celtic compete like Angie's team done last season, but ultimately fail. You know, two points out of the, the six games wasn't enough to qualify for anything. Or we could come third place and get that spot in the champ- uh, Europa League, as James mentioned. Or, you know, top prize, it's really competing and really pushing for a place top two and then moving into the knockout stages of the group. What do you think's realistic, you know, for the Celtic side? Like James says, I, th- I think the, the transfer window and, and the way it went sort of kind of 
came as a bit of a surprise to most Celtic fans, I, I would say. I, I, don't, I don't think we expected us to be so hapdash uh, with, with the signings or, or take as long as we did to get some signings over the line. Or, or um, to spend so little. Uh, and, and also not to strengthen those two particular areas that you mentioned. I think you'd probably even throw goalkeeper in there as well. You'd have expected some genuine competition to have come in for that. All those things considered, it's made me realign. Like, had Ange still been here, I, I would have said absolutely qualifying is the only metric for success. Well, you know, Book up for Wembley. Uh, get, get, get the tickets booked, lads. Um, but now, I think James mentioned this weeks ago where he said, you're probably almost back to that learning under Rogers stage of, of trying, to, trying to just go and compete. But what's happened since is the draw has been made and... Whilst it's not an easy draw by any means, it's not as hard as it could have been or, or difficult as it could have been. And with all those things considered, I'm just going to say the exact same thing that he said. What did he say? Europa. Europa. Uh, my head is somewhere between second and third. You know, second and a half isn't isn't something that exists. But I just think, but maybe it's, you know, again, it's the, the hope rather than expectation. But I mean, to finish fourth again would be so disappointing. And I think... With guys like Kyogo and guys like O'Reilly, McGregor at his peak, we've got guys that can go and have an impact. And to your point, Math, as a favourable draw, right? It's not an easy draw. No draw in the Champions League is going to be easy, but it is favourable. And I actually think the group is wide open, and all four clubs will be thinking along those lines. And I just think if Celtic get it right, if the manager gets it right, if the big players turn up, you know, on the big occasions, then, then Celtic can get something out of this. Yeah, everyone in that group can finish fourth, including us, and someone's going to. Everyone um, can finish first Exactly, that's what I mean It's, it's such a competitive group there, There's going to be points won and, and lost all over the place So um, and I think you'll you'll look at it Not that we can But if you were to look from a, a neutral's point of view After the six games It'll probably be one of the most exciting groups Because there's not You know, that chasm That you really get I know it's like you'll play, you pay crazy money And you know, they're, they're playing La Liga But it's not Real Madrid it's not Barcelona you know it just brings it a wee bit closer not much closer but closer mm -hmm. so it, it's going to be exciting um, and if we had just a wee bit more cover I'd be more confident in saying yeah you know the second is, is, is genuinely genuinely realistic and if Ange hadn't done what he did then I think we'd have been in a position of the, just the build on for the third season so not to be and we are where we are and I think there's you know there's obviously an excellent manager there and he's got most of the players he wants and what we're seeing of those players, we're starting to enjoy, and it's all starting to come together. So, Champions League maybe a wee bit early for us. I'd have loved a week or two more of developing that team, but let's go, mate. Unfortunately, I work with a Spurs fan. He's in love. I was talking to one last night. Same. It's hard to watch. You know, Floydy. It's yeah. hard to watch. They're absolutely buzzing, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard hard I think I seen something. Is it Gary Lineker? I was interviewing him this morning. They're, they're, they're fawning over him. Aye. I said to James this morning that we'd, we'd done the the final pre-match. And Andrew's rolling out all the same lines he gave us. He was basically saying, he got asked a question about should Spurs fans, you know, just temper their, temper their enthusiasm a wee bit and just calm down. He's like, hey, it's not my job to, to, to tell them to dare to dream, go and, go and dream high and dream big. And I thought, he told us that. He's a guy that always takes his dates to the same restaurant. You know, there's, there's no deviation, my there's no imagination. My favourite's right and he's always right. Uh, <laughs> move on, move go. on. I will move on. I want to talk just briefly about uh, some of the, the figures involved if you do manage to make decent progress in the Champions League. So I know it was along these lines, but I checked again today. 2.8 million euro for any sort of group win. That That is decent money. You rack up a couple of wins and uh, everyone's happy there. 900 grand uh, for a draw. So that, it translates to 2.4 million sterling, 775 grand. 
And for reaching the round of 16, if you manage to get to the round of 16, 9.6 million euro. That's off the charts money. I, I didn't realise it was just quite so high. So there's the obvious, you know, the glory from a footballing point of view. But what you can do with that kind of income as well, if they decide to spend and buy left-backs and strikers, of course, uh, huge figures involved and... There's a real incentive there, Miff, to, to try and rack up better than the two draws we got last time. Absolutely. What was your exchange rate there? I don't know. <laughs> the the Google told me the exchange rate was 2.4 million sterling to 2.8 million euro. Excellent. That that is the that's why it's so important that we're there. The the lack of any significant TV revenue means that we are in an immediate disadvantage. What we are lucky that we have is a very very loyal and willing fan base to support the club week in, week out, season in, season out that allows us to at least maintain or sustain our financial advantage over the rest of the league but for us to compete at a European level we need to continually be in the Champions League just to reinvest that into the squad but however this transfer window doesn't really say it feels like we've been cheated a wee bit At, at, at some point Celtic are going to have to, have to make that step yes. change right because yes. what, what you know you're talking about Millions here and millions there, and you know, maybe selling that player and Jota money and blah blah blah. It's just sitting in a Scrooge McDuck bank vault doing nothing. Do you know what I mean? They just sit and look at it every other day and go. Everybody just look at them doing look, the dive look, the look, look, look at all the money. And it's like, well, get mm. out. You know, it's 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 it is very poor management for any business. I would even say neglectful of your fiduciary responsibility to have cash in the bank and not out in the market buying assets that are going to make you better players, better teams more progress and that perpetuates itself and I know Celtic are nervous you know with, with making this kind of step change but it's going to have to come at some point a frightening summary James well done yes, impressive to hear uh, for Exchange Plus subscribers Miff's Dictionary Corner oh, it's, been, it's, been away. it's been away it's been bring it back fiduciary that's what you were thinking of wasn't it well, it certainly perpetuates um, James just a, a question to follow on from that though and Maybe the answer is as simple as sign better players, sign a left-back, sign a striker. But the question is, what, if anything, can Celtic do, generally speaking, to become more competitive in Europe? You answered your own question. Is it just that, 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 that You know, it's not develop our own players? It's attitudinal across the board. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not just the board and the players and the manager. It's, it's Celtic as an organisation that you go, right, we, we're not there anymore. We're here or we want to be there. Have that ambition and have a plan to, to reach that stage. It's got to come all through the organisation rather than just, well, here's a, a, we hope we get there kind of thing. So I think Celtic need to change the attitude of the whole club, top to bottom. We, we are, in effect, hamstrung by your absolute desire to be but, better. But if you're playing, what is it going to be, like 20% of your games in the Champions League coming next year if you, if you qualify out? If you qualify, you've guaranteed eight games next season. So eight of your whatever. No, no, if you qualify games. out of that, you get another two. So that's 10, 10 of your... Games, yeah. 10 of your 40, 50 games kind of thing. 20%. So games. 20%. So you, you start to become, a, a, you know, a European Super League kind of thing where, you, where you're actually, that that's where you're really playing your football and to practice for that. And I know this is sounding patronising to Scottish football, but to practice for that, you play in Scotland. Well, the the effect of cutting me off during a sentence is now I can't remember the point I was going to make. Sorry. So sorry, something about fiduciary. That's, that's tragic for the... The listeners, tragic. Yeah, I'm sure it would have been a good point, but it would have been. I, I was confident it was going to be. I'm going to listen back to it. And I'll call Aye, you tonight. Thank you, yeah. thank you. But it, it was, you know, was the, the, the main question, if it triggers anything, was that you know what can Celtic do to become more competitive in Europe, and is it just a case of resetting your ambitions? Sorry, that come back to me. Um, our ambitions as a fan base mainly are to beat Rangers. 
that's I that is know, that is true. But, but for, for the vast majority, it's to beat Rangers. It's to be all on end. So for turning around, you, you mentioned developing young players. To develop young players, you would need to go through a relatively long period of results being indifferent to allow them to gain the first team experience they needed. And and you can go and send them out loan if you want. But unless you're sending them on to Man United or Arsenal or Man City, they're not going to get the same understanding of pressure. And, you know, take Mikey Johnson as a great example of somebody who just seems to have lost that ability to play at Celtic Park. You can see him almost go, going to a wee shell. A cracking player. You know, ability, not not in doubt. But mentally, psychologically, he's just not there to be able to come back and play at the level that he could play at previously. So that's the effect of having kids that we're developing. You know, the talent, we're spotting talent in kids. You know, somebody like McGregor, McGregor's a bit of a freak. You know, you don't you, you don't really get killed. McGregor's coming through every season. Other that would be fantastic. But we, we as Celtic fans want it all. We want to beat Rangers. We want to compete in Europe. We want to develop our own players. Like you say, it will require a complete cultural mindset change to say, do you know what? See whatever Rangers are doing, it doesn't matter. This is the 10-year path that we're on and we're going to stick to it. However, get beaten three successive cup finals off Rangers and you can just stick a grenade in your 10-year plan and go away to hell with that get in the players that we need to know because we need to beat them and, all, and that's, that's, that's what it comes down to that's, that's why it's so difficult to juggle but just now the tipping point is completely to kilter because we're beating Rangers and that's fine we have the opportunity where domestically we've kind of got that stuff almost handled let's roll the dice and maybe invest in slightly higher tier of player than we would normally go for or from a position of strength strengthen areas we know need strengthened and we've not done it yeah I think that is because there isn't what you're suggesting like a 10 year cultural shift to your point on losing to Rangers in cup finals if you're setting the bar so much higher and setting the, the wage base so much higher and you're really competing in Europe you're not really going to lose those games anyway. Football's football and you'll lose the odd you know, no. cup game here and there and, that, and that's fine, but it's not going to be three in a row and stuff like that. It'll be like COVID where, you know, anomalies can happen and that was an anomaly. <laughs> what, what you do have, you know, I'm sure Celtic have got their short-term goals, their medium-term and their long-term. But I the don't short, know if they do. The short, I don't know if they're as switched on as that at the moment. I, I think they are. I think you just like having your wee bite at the board. I, I, I think they are. But you've got a short-term thing where, as Miff makes the point, if... And I see myself in this. Miff talks about being better in Rangers is the be-all and end-all. It's almost that for me. Being better in Rangers is, is a priority for me. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll put it up there. Pretty high up in the charts. But I also want to see us do well in Europe. So, and I'm sure you know everyone at the club does and the board and the, the management and those who make the, the long-term plans. But they kind of jar with each other. Your short to medium-term plan of just beating Rangers, Miff says, you need to sacrifice some of that if you want to build longer term. You might need some bumpy three, four seasons as you, as you develop your new youngsters and, and take a different approach and you kind of can't have both and, and we're in this just wholly unique world you mentioned it James you know you've we've got this situation where your training ground for top level European games is playing against some teams like Dundee and Livingston and teams that will park the bus now that's not completely unique because there's Feyenoord will play some dross in their league there'll be teams yeah. sitting at the bottom of the Dutch league I'm Heard sure abysmal yeah. you know, that's a, a team called Almere City that I've never heard of they yeah. beat 5-1 there's lots of that going on but you throw in into the mix this added card of just always beating Rangers. I don't care what happens as long as we beat Rangers. That's where a lot of us are, maybe myself included. And it's just such a, a tricky position and it doesn't allow for long-term thinking. So in conclusion, James, am I the problem? <laughs> <laughs> On many things. Um, um, the caveat I would say to that is yes, you know, you, you can't get that without you know tricky years usually, but you've got 
60 million cash in the bank just now, which means you probably can, you know, invest ahead. Normally you would have to just, you know, invest from youth and let that come through, but you can use that cash to have a really, really strong wage base that allows you to have the odd youngster coming through as well. Yeah, it's a big, big question, big debate, and we're running a wee bit low on time, and we'll pick it up again at another stage. But final summary, Miff, just on what's acceptable this season. We've all got our ambitions. You guys are sitting about potentially third. I'm hoping for second. But what would be acceptable? What would allow you to say, okay, that's where we're at just now, based on everything that went on this summer? I, I think you know, wherever it leaves us, but getting, getting a couple of wins in, in the group stages, great. You know, winning the league to make sure that we're in that that larger draw. That's what I think we're on record is saying that as well. Transfer windows kind of tempered enthusiasm a wee bit, but that's done. We've got our squad now. Everybody's there. They're bought in. Rogers is working with them. Let's see what the results are. Yeah, exactly. So with a bit of luck, Celtic will pick up something this week at Feyenoord. Yeah, mate. As I say, I might be listening to this on Wednesday, Thursday, and we'll find out. But myself and James Muff, we've done the countdown to kick off. We predicted two each. We were both exactly the same. Do you want to put a scoreline on it? Just to Add to the mix. 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. We'd all take that, wouldn't we? Any sort of score draw. So you can listen to the, the build-up right now at the Celtic Exchange Plus. Just visit the CelticExchange.com for more details if you aren't already signed up. Um, just before I get your final thoughts, lads, the answer to this week's 11th man, there was a few guesses. Thomas came in with Mikey Johnson. It's a decent shout. I think you're Edward, James. Um, was it yourself or that came good with Adam Montgomery? So. Which is a correct answer. Ah, I didn't think you would get it. I'm a wee bit annoyed at that. I thought the boys were right with Mikey, but it was because you said you'll never get it, and we yeah. know you love Mikey. I'm, so. I'm my own worst enemy. Um, just on Adam Montgomery, I was having a look around just when I realised he was the answer. He's on loan at Bruni's Fleetwood Town, where Bruni isn't there anymore. So. He's, got, he's got Lee Johnson, a man of similar stature. Uh, <laughs> um, but he's not playing much game time at all. I don't know if there's any sort of injury there, but he's, he wasn't in the squad at the weekend, and he's played something like 34 minutes. So, Again, to, to go back to the prior question, if Celtic are to develop boys like Adam Montgomery, they need more than half an hour here and there at Fleetwood Town if they're good enough. So maybe ties into a bigger picture. But we'll get to that at some later stage. James, final comments as we start to wrap up this week's show. Uh, first of all, apologies for interrupting Miff. That won't happen again. <laughs> it will happen again. Will happen but again. I'll try and remember what you're saying <laughs> I, when I, I do I, interrupt I, you. I just put me back on track. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, here we go. Champions League football. You know, we, we can talk about broader season ambitions and stuff but see when the tournament starts you're just in it for the games and you're going to look to win every game so um, yeah just wish I was in Rotterdam um, we'll pick it up in Madrid but yeah it looks like a, a great tie to be at yeah want to enjoy my final word of the day goes to you like James says you can go with your low expectations and all that nonsense but when rolls round to kick off time you're like come on <laughs> well you know we've got three points the night and then you never know we'll win our next time Gary. so I the, the excitement's there this is why we are so obsessed with winning the league not only to to beat Rangers like we discussed but so that we are on this stage so we have these nights to look forward to so you can get absolutely stung for your Champions League package and so that you can just enjoy these nights and hopefully we do enjoy these nights that's the key for me um, I've been on record the same before Rogers tenure some of the, the displays were a wee bit flaky I think we've got a group now where we can hopefully go and express ourselves and have Parkhead Celtic Park Parkers absolutely bouncing that's what we want yeah, but some exciting times ahead starting with Tuesday night in Rotterdam. So that wraps things up on this latest episode of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. Thanks to Miff and James for joining us today and to Thomas who joined us in the studio. And as always, our thanks to you for tuning in. 
We'll be back with the Celtic Exchange Weekly this time next week, but don't forget you can enjoy more podcasts, more reaction and more Celtic every week at the Celtic Exchange Plus. For this week alone, we'll have four additional shows in the shape of pre- and post-match episodes for the Feyenoord game, as well as Saturday's league match with Livingston. Just visit theceliticexchange.com slash plus right now to get involved. But in the meantime, thanks for listening and we'll see you again very soon. Thank you.